0: Hello and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co host Justin Baker and I are just gonna talk NHL today because we have taken a couple weeks off. Justin moved and I got COVID and I still have the remnants of a cold from it. So Justin, hi, it's been a minute.
1: Yeah, hi. Sorry, uh sorry you're feeling well, you were feeling a lot worse and glad to see you getting better here. That's, yeah, my uh,
0: feelings got really hurt by COVID actually. Really, i
1: don't doubt it
0: really offended <laughs> me um yeah it was you know it sucked but i uh i've had worse but i also would not want to have it again i'll say that you know there you go. If, if you're out there you're worried about getting it it's i mean it is what it is um but yeah if you hear me uh hack up a lung or something like that it's it'll be okay well I'll, I'll get my lungs back eventually but um uh, just have a, a little bit of a cold but speaking of uh of a little cold, uh, before we like dive into everything, I I feel like the the one thing that is just still going, despite us not talking for a couple weeks, the Arizona Coyotes still have not won a game. They have one point <laughs> through ten games. So with uh with the cold streak in mind, how many more games until Arizona has a win?
1: My goodness, yeah, I got to say that was a beautiful transition to start the show. I, uh, I love it. So, so yeah, Arizona, I feel bad because they have been getting some excellent goaltending right now despite just sucking it big time. And so uh, looking ahead at the schedule, right, so tonight, uh, Friday the 5th, they play the Anaheim Ducks, they've got Seattle tomorrow, and then next week they, they've got Minnesota, Chicago, and Nashville. Um, You got to
0: think they win one of these five games.
1: (laughs) Right. They're playing, I mean, don't get me wrong, Minnesota's great. Nashville's playing pretty good hockey right now. But, you know, you would think outside of Minnesota, those other four games are pretty winnable games um, as far as, you know, teams are concerned. And I think, you know, obviously – Arizona's problem is they can't score goals um, to save their life. I mean, gosh. I mean, you look at their goal differential. It's the worst in the league. They've managed to score 13 goals through 10 games, barely above a goal a game. So, um, man. Almost, they're
0: they're to... almost on pace for a minus 240 goal differential.
1: <laughs> That's insane.
0: It's, it's unbelievable. I Yeah. I mean, they have, they have 13 goals through 10 games. Uh, no one else doesn't have 20 goals like the next lowest right now is the New Jersey Devils they have 21 goals but they've played two fewer games like right, this Arizona Coyotes team is I, I mean I thought the Buffalo Sabres were going to be really bad this year Um, I, I don't think anybody's going to touch the Arizona Coyotes like they are no, they- so horrendously bad
1: yeah, and they're in jeopardy of seriously touching that Washington Capitals uh, least amount of wins record there, if I have to be honest. I, I would not be surprised if they get pretty close to, you know, in the teens or, you know, low 20s as far as win totals are concerned for this year. Yeesh. It would not shock me.
0: Yeesh. Yeah. Uh, I I got to think, this is, I mean, I I I actually kind of like the way that Anaheim has, has been able to play so far this year. Um, I don't think that Anaheim is going to be the team that gets caught off guard by the Arizona Coyotes. Um, But looking ahead through this schedule, I think probably the game to pencil is that next Friday against the Chicago Blackhawks. If there's one team that Arizona might maybe sort of stand a chance against, it could be the Blackhawks because the Blackhawks have uh, allowed the same amount of goals as the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, they are the two worst defensive teams in the NHL thus far, and maybe that's the one place Arizona gets some goals. So uh, that that be that's my guess. I, I think they'll yeah. lose three more before they finally get their victory against Chicago.
1: Okay, I'm gonna do you one even better. I mean, Chicago obviously has been playing some bad hockey this year, but I think with Patty Kane back, they're playing. They're looking a little better. Obviously, it hasn't translated into a bunch of wins yet, but. Um, I do think you're going to see Arizona winless, and I'm going to pencil in the 18th against the Columbus Blue Jackets at home. I think Columbus has got their own set of problems right now, even though they're still competitive. Uh, I just think right now that, that game seems pretty winnable in my mind. I think they'll have a good shot for against another team that doesn't score a ton of goals, and uh, I think that's where you'll probably see them pull ahead and finally get their first win.
0: I mean, it's probably going to be a 0-0 shootout win. Right, like I think that's where their didn't their yeah their, their their one point came against Buffalo. That was a two-one shootout loss to Buffalo. Right. Uh, my guess is that that's going to be where Arizona kind of scoops up a, the the win is probably in a shootout somewhere. Uh but it's yeah, sad state of affairs in Arizona. But you know, since there's only seven Coyotes fans out there, we should. You know, talk about some some other uh, things going around the, the league, like the Jack Eichel trade. I think that's uh, a good place to stop up next because finally Eichel is dealt, he's dealt to the Golden Knights, tons to unpack here uh, as, you know, the Golden Knights just continually go out and acquire incredible talent that has been, uh, you know, Born and raised in another organization, only to go over to to Vegas. So the you know I know that everyone knows by now who's been in the trade. But the Sabers get Peyton Krebs, who's the 2019 first round pick of the Golden Knights. Alex Tuck, a top ten protected first round pick, and then a second round pick in 2023. So, and, but the and the Golden Knights also get a third round pick in the 2023 draft. So, uh, let's. Let's just get your get your thoughts, get your take on uh, on what you thought about the Sabres and what they got back for Eichel.
1: Yeah, I got to say first and foremost, I mean, right, you, you see everybody always talking about who's who won the trade, right? That's always the initial reaction. And to me, Jack Eichel won this trade because he finally gets to have the surgery he wants. He finally gets to get healthy because you want to see guys like this back on the ice. You want good superstar players like this on the ice competing whether or not you know they're with vegas they're with buffalo there's drama surrounding it it doesn't matter once they're on the ice all that goes away and to me you know that's that's the real winner here now as far as what buffalo was able to acquire in this trade uh don't get me wrong i think you know krebs could turn out to be a poor man's ryan o'reilly from what i understand and uh you know if he does hey that's great i think he's he's more than capable of being a, a top six forward at some point in his career and he's got that pedigree uh, that that brand of hockey that I think will fit in well. Alex Tuck's, Tuck, of course, you know, when he gets healthy again and plays, he'll be a top six winger for this team who, you know, again, this team desperately needs uh, an infusion of some top six wingers. I mean, to be quite honest, they they've got a lot of a good a young players on this team. So Buffalo will be a competitive team here sooner rather than later, in my opinion. But, you know, again, they get the first round pick. So now this upcoming draft, they've got three first rounders. Uh, They've got three second rounders in next year's draft. So they've got a lot of picks stockpiled to where they can continue to develop and acquire talent. And I think, you know, again, assuming that Krebs turns out to be the player we all think he can be, I think right now, all things considered, Jack Eichel wasn't going to be playing for Buffalo anymore, no matter what kind of deal you held out for. And I think for them, they were able to get something very comparable. Now, again, long-term is where you're going to see the results of this trade, whether or not they actually get something. And again, again, if Eichel comes back and he's not the Jack Eichel before the injury, then you can just point to Buffalo and say, "Okay, well, you just dodged a bullet in that ten million dollars because they were very adamant about not holding any salary. So, for them right now, this looks like to me like both teams did as, as best as they could. And I think uh, you know Vegas finally gets what I've been screaming about for the last you know three years for this team is they finally get that number one center that they've been lacking because you cannot go into the playoffs this year with. Chandler Stevenson as your number
0: one. Right. And that, that was the the big deal. And, and you know, I, I think the Sabres kind of get to hit the reset button, like it was a good enough trade. I, I don't think it was, they didn't get, uh, they didn't get Mark stoned as I read from uh, one, I can't remember who it was, but talking about how Vegas fleeced the senators for Mark stone, um, they, they didn't get fleeced. And that was really the important thing. Like, there was just nothing they could do. The only the only other option was let Eichel get his surgery, have him come back and play. And he did say in his press conference that he, he would have been willing to come back and play for the Sabres to increase his trade value. But the Sabres didn't want to take the chance on the surgery. And then, you know, oh, crap, he's played 10 games and he only has three points. And really? then his value go down even more. So... I, I think this is really I mean, of course, there was always the chance. He could have come back, he could have played, and he could have put up point per game, and maybe you got a little bit more. Maybe you got another first round pick or another second round pick, something, but was it worth would it be worth it? I don't know. I think I think that the best thing to do is to get this off the books, out of your mind. Like the Sabres can focus on now making their team better. They know who they have the, the guys they have there want to be there, and I, I think it's a a good move because they can move forward, and that's what the Sabres need, to move forward because they're not having a bad start to the season.
1: Right. No, they're not. And i got to say, good on Vegas, too, for not having to really give up any core star players, right? They didn't have to get rid of Shea Theater or they didn't have to give up uh, William Carlson or uh, Mark Stone, like you said. They didn't have to give up any of these core good players to get him. And so for them, that's just only helps bolster their, you know, playoff chances, assuming that he comes back in four months and gets to play and, you know, can help them push for a playoff spot, you know, based on where they are now anyways. And, uh, not that I think they will be down at the bottom for two. Times.
0: Yeah. I, the one thing that concerns me is, you know, Vegas is a considerable amount over the cap, uh, if like if Eichel came back today, uh, let, let's say everyone's healthy, Eichel comes back today. I mean, they are right now ninety. They're like eleven million over the cap because of of all the stuff they've got going on. Uh, now, yeah. obviously, some of that is is repairable. You know, they can send guys down to the minors, yada yada. But there's quite a bit of money just kind of hanging out there, and they're gonna need to probably shed five million bucks. Where is that coming from? Like, are we are we ready to say, you know, Riley Smith gets traded because they can't hang on to him anymore because he has five million bucks. He's a UFA at the end of the year. You know, there's there's a lot of question marks because that is the extra part of this deal. Like somebody is going to have to not play. Now right. the only other option that I see is they pull a Tampa, you know they they just someone they they keep someone on LTIR until the playoffs and then let them come back. Uh, but I don't think anybody's injuries are quite that severe where they're where they they're happy to let them miss the entire season.
1: No, and you know what I mean. I I have read too looking at their cap situation with Stone. Pacioretty, Michael on long-term IR, right? They're going to get some relief as far as Cap's concerned, but those guys are going to come back. Uh, they're not going to miss the whole year like, you know, Kucherov right. did. And so, um, you know, obviously the concern is shedding. And from what I re- read and, um, you know, someone did the math and they said it's roughly going to be about $5 million or maybe just a little bit more to shed. So to me, the obvious candidate is Riley Smith, right? Uh, you know, whether or not, Vegas is in a playoff spot or not, I think you have to basically look at him as the candidate because he's going to be a UFA. You're not going to be able to re-sign him next year because you've got Marsha Show, you've got Dandenoff, uh still under contract for next season. And, you know, maybe they figure out a way to, to move one of those guys. But uh, to me, Riley Smith can garner you, you know, at least a second round pick, I think. Maybe second round pick and, you know, maybe a lower pick too. But because uh, he's still more than capable of playing top six minutes. And I think a lot of teams will definitely take that from Vegas. But again, knowing that Vegas is in this cap, you know, against the cap ceiling and their backs are against the wall, teams might try to take advantage of that and just say, hey, we'll uh, we'll give you a fifth-round pick and that's all you're going to get
0: from Yeah, us. but somebody would go, well, I mean, obviously we'll give you a fourth-round pick for Riley Smith. And then someone will go, well, no kidding. We've got to give you a third-round pick. Sure. I don't think that there's there's not much of that, much of the, well, let's all squeeze them. Um, I don't think that, that there's – you know, the whole league is in cahoots against any one team. Uh,
1: No, I don't think that happens either. But, uh, you know, again, Riley Smith, to me, seems like the obvious candidate. Another guy you could look to move is maybe a Braden McNabb. I think he could be an obvious candidate to maybe get put on waivers or, uh, you know, even moved at some point because they do have some pretty good, you know, defensemen who can play, you know, bottom pairing minutes and fill in and, you know, his spot. And that can help save a couple bucks there. And maybe you move another guy like, Uh, you know, like Chandler Stevenson too. Uh, obviously I don't think they want to move him. I think they like Chandler Stevenson and would love to have a three headed monster of Carlson Stevenson and Eichel. So, um, you know, maybe that happens and then, you know, maybe, Hey, maybe they find a team again that, you know, wants to take a chance on Evgeny Dadunov and, uh, you know, he's got a 10 team, no trade clause, but you know, Hey, there could be another team that, you know, is willing to take a flyer on him and, you know, maybe Vegas lets him go for next to nothing, uh, just to get him off the books
0: and that is ultimately what determines kind of the the end game with this trade is that yes they did give up you know Krebs and Tuck two guys that were on their roster they gave up draft picks but there's going to be more and i i kind of can't it seems weird that you know they weren't able to work anything with the sabers to take one more player that I, I mean I guess at this point they can't lose Dadanov or Riley Smith because they have no one else to play. So they they couldn't include anyone else in that deal that would have taken off some cap hit. The only thing they could have done is to say, you know, you gotta eat some of Eichel's deal, but obviously they didn't want to do any of that. So here we are. They're they're gonna have to like kick the can down the road three, four, five months uh until Eichel gets back. And I if you're Vegas, I think you're happy to do that <laughs> for, what yeah, <laughs> for what you got.
1: Absolutely. Um, for
0: what you got. Okay. Now looking up and down the standard standings of this league, uh, we're you know we're about ten games in for every team. Yeah, some have played a little less, some have played a little more. Uh, but who in their current position do you like? A couple teams. Do you think are you're looking at it and you're going, heck yes, this is exactly where I think they should be. And where they, you know, where I thought they'd be, or mm, no, this is fake. Like this is not where they'll end up in this spot. Do you have anyone like that in these standings right now?
1: Yeah, uh, first team. I'm definitely gonna poke, poke at and uh, poke the bear. Is is going to be the bunch of jerks, Carolina. I mean, I don't know if I imagine them running off nine straight, but I definitely had them winning this division. And for me, that's the first team I look at and say they're for real. I love what they're doing. Uh, they're getting much better goaltending than I thought they were going to get out of Anderson.
0: Yeah, he's playing incredible.
1: Yeah. it's. I mean, and again, that that's a testament to the Where system. the frick was
0: well, this, man? Right. All those starts. October was like the most garbage month for the guy. I had to spend way too much time defending him in the month of October. <laughs> and then he goes and does this.
1: Yeah, and then kind of on the opposite end, I look at a team that I say, okay, they probably shouldn't be there, and it'll definitely change in my opinion. But, you know, I look to – gosh, I I don't know if I want to call it obvious, but uh, the Calgary Flames to me, 6-1 and 3, I just don't see them playing this good of hockey for this much longer. I mean, look, to me, it's it's odd seeing Sean Monaghan on the fourth line, but I think that aside – uh, you know, really, I think everybody else is playing above and beyond where they probably should be playing. Uh, Elias Lindholm, I do like him, but is he going to be a uh, over a point per game for the rest of the year? No. Uh, you know,
0: he's come Man, close he's to done. it before,
1: right? He has, but I just, I just don't see this team finishing and playing as well as they they have been for the rest of the season. Now, again, they're getting great goaltending, which always erases a lot of. Uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, bad habits and deficiencies. Um, but it, it would not surprise me if at some point this season we see Sean Monahan moved. I mean, he's playing fourth line minutes, so maybe they've just, they really priced themselves out as far as his value is concerned now. Uh, so maybe they have to wait till the off season to move him. But Johnny Goudreau looks really, really good. Um, I don't know if he sticks around after this season. So You know, at some point, if they start to falter a little bit, are they just going to pull the plug on him at any point? I don't think so. But, um, you know, I mean, again, this is just a team that I just don't see with the talent that's in front of them. I just don't see them sustaining it for the rest of the year, especially considering, you know, again, they're lucky to be in a division where they've got, you know, obviously Seattle at the bottom. But, you know, Vancouver, L.A., not playing as well as maybe they should be right now. And I think those two teams are going to start to get hot again. Vegas, same way. I think once they get healthy, they're going to get hot. And so yeah, you're going to
0: Vegas speak. isn't going to get healthy for months.
1: Sure. No, probably not. But again, they well-structured and have enough depth, I think, to to kind of stay with their head just above water. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I see other teams at the bottom of this division making a run forward. And then when you look at the rest of the Western Conference, you know, there's other teams too that aren't just playing as well as they normally would. And so I think Calgary has been a product of, you know, a weak division and a weak conference right now, in my opinion.
0: Well, and yes, I, I mean, it is a weak division and I think that we knew that coming in. I don't think that's any, any uh, surprise there with the flames. Um, yeah. I mean, is Milan Lucic going to score 25 goals? Cause that's what he's on pace for right now. He's got three, three, right. ten 10 games. Um, uh-huh. Andrew Pan, I mean, on pace for, like, almost 50 goals. <laughs> so is Lindholm. Kachuk, 40 goals. I mean, yeah, they, they're they off to a really nice start. Um, everyone's contributing. And it's the goal. I mean, the goaltending has been really good. Uh, you know, Markstrom's played fantastic. And a 9 3 percentage, that's not going to hold all year long. But this is why they brought him in. Like this is why they paid him a good amount of money to to leave Vancouver and come to Calgary because they you know they they knew that he was good. And to the hey, this is a weak division. Uh I mean the teams they've beat. They've beat Washington, the Rangers, the Devils, the Penguins, the Flyers. Like they went through the Metro and won five in a row. <laughs> so I it isn't necessarily all because they're in the Pacific and and it's a weak division. They actually have have not played much in the Pacific. They they played Edmonton and they played Anaheim and that I believe is it. Yep, Edmonton and Am- Anaheim and ironically I think they uh, they definitely lost to Edmonton, and they lost to Anaheim. So, the weak division, they can't win in their own division, but they destroyed the Metro. I mean, that's where all their wins came from. Five of their six wins have come against the Metropolitan Division.
1: Right. Well, I mean, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, Philly, I'm I'm still not sold on Philly yet, but Pittsburgh and Jersey, I knew they really were going to be f- advanced. Those are five, easy two. And two. Right. I'm, again, still not sold on Philly, in my opinion, but... Uh, I like where they're headed, and I think they're a pretty good team. But all things considered, when I say weak division, I mean for the rest of the season, right, they, they have to go through that division quite a bit. And to me right now, I think with teams getting a little bit better, like Vegas is starting to turn it on a little bit more. L.A. I think we'll, we'll get it going, and same with Vancouver. And so you have to go through these teams. And Seattle's starting to find a little bit of mojo too right now. So, um, boy, you know what, they? I mean, this could turn out to be a real tough tough road for them to have to go down. I mean, outside of Edmonton, who's going to clearly run away with things at this point, but, um, sure. looks yeah, like that. Of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, gosh, I, Wayne Gretzky the other day on TNT said that that's the best power play he's ever seen in his life. I mean, <sighs> I got <it.
0: laughs> Dang.
1: Do not take a penalty on this team.
0: No. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, it's so funny though. Like obviously, Hey, dry Seidel, McDavid, two really good, like unbelievable players playing on the same power play. I mean, there's other teams though, with fantastic players in their power play, and they cannot figure it out. Like right. the Leafs, can't seem to figure out their power play since going like forty percent last last season, or uh, yeah, the very beginning of the season, they were lights out, and since then they can't figure out how to score on the power play. It's crazy. All the guys they got on that thing. <clears throat> Granted, they did score last night on the power play to win the game, but.
1: That was going to say. I, I enjoyed what well. that game to me was a lot of fun. I just loved the goaltending battle. Wow. I was-
0: Jack Campbell was summoning his inner Dominic Hoshik in that one. He was, oh he was a butte. That was, uh, that was actually about as close to a playoff kind of game in the regular season as, as you probably will find in the first 10 games of the year. Uh, <coughs> so much of a defensive grind, like there was just no space, uh, talking Leafs and Tampa, uh, just no space out there for anyone to do much of of anything, uh, and uh, obviously it took until like forty one seconds when John Tavares in a in a crowd takes that snapper into the corner to tie the game. But man, what a what a gutsy game uh, for both teams. I mean, it was back and forth. I mean, Tampa Bay as is obviously struggling without well their entire third line. And without Kucherov, that's, uh, it's proving to be more difficult than I think some people had pegged it to be uh, without that line. I mean, they played all, all year last year without Kucherov. It's not like they can't play without him. Uh, but you can tell that they don't produce offense the way that they do when Kucherov is in the lineup.
1: <clears throat> right. Yeah, they can't go and get those ideal matchups. Right? You can't roll your third line out now against other teams' top lines because now you have to worry about that matchup. And so, yeah, you know, Point's going to play a lot more tough minutes. Uh, you know, Sorelli's going to play a lot more tough minutes maybe than you expected him to play this year. And so, again, when you can't roll three or four lines now consistently, it becomes a little bit tough, right? And so, obviously, they're they're trying to learn, trying to adjust a little bit. And I think, you know, over the course of the season, Tampa's going to figure out how to, uh, how to work their lineup that best fits them. And so that might not be, again – rolling four lines consistently they might have to rely a lot more heavily on their top pairs or their top lines but you know hey um you know if it's me you know maybe do a little shake up here you know maybe mix the lines up a little bit yeah but I, you know you're not hitting the panic button yet that's for sure no no
0: i mean they're they're 5 3 and 2 they're not in a bad exactly. place by any means and and they have they have Zaslewski so that's <laughs> the ultimate equalizer um You know, we talked Carolina, they're top of the Metropolitan Division and tops of that Atlantic Division. The other team that has yet to lose a regulation game, the Florida Panthers. They look about as real as you can be. And uh, it doesn't matter who's who's coaching them either. Uh, They just seem to keep on rolling.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're what I like to refer to as a well-oiled machine because it almost seems like they just went on autopilot the minute, you know, Coach Q was, you know, the minute he resigned and Andrew Burnett took over behind the bench. And, you know, they have not missed a beat. And for me right now too, the player I'm enjoying watching more than anybody else on this Panthers team is Aaron Eckblad. The guy's mustache is all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> and, and honestly, I, if I had to choose an early Norris favorite right now, I, know, I don't know what the analytics are on this guy, but, he looks to me like the number one, you know, he looks like the top defenseman in the game right now. And, I mean, like, for me, Victor Hedman's the best defenseman in the game, but you watch against that Leafs game last night, He a stupid turnover cost him the game pretty much. If he had cleared the zone properly, just little things like that, and Aaron Eckblad steps in, and he looks like every time he steps on the ice, he wants the puck. I mean, he's just going for it, and he plays so good at both ends of the ice in nearly 26 minutes a game right now. There's nobody better than him, in my opinion, on the back end uh, in the NHL. And then not to mention the guys they have up front right now, everybody's rolling. I mean, Anthony Duclair leads the league in plus minus. That's got to say something for a guy who nobody really wanted a few years ago. And uh, Barkoff, Huberdu, hasn't really even, in my opinion either, really turned it on yet. I think he still has a couple more gears he can hit, and I think if he gets going the way he normally should – Boy, between him, Barkov, Reinhardt, Sam Bennett, Verhage, they—they're—they're oh, going to be nasty.
0: Yeah, I—I I will say that the—the uh, the one thing going for the Panthers right now, we will talk shooting percentage. Barkov twenty-four point one, Huberdeau eighteen point eight, Ekblad twelve point one, Duclair thirty-three point three, Reinhardt nine and a half. That—that's—that's that's normal. Sam Bennett fourteen point eight, Carter Verhaeghe eighteen point eight, Brandon Montour ten and a half, Anton Lindell twenty five, uh, Lewis Starrinan thirty, yep. <laughs> Owen Tippett thirteen point three, like Joe Thornton twenty five percent. Like these guys are shooting the lights out. Uh-huh. Everything's going in for them right now. So I will say they will come back to they they will come back down a little bit here uh, because they're not going to shoot. 20 plus percent all season long. Not all of them, maybe one of them, but uh, this, I mean, they look great. I I actually think that it was a, once everything came out, I was, I was glad that coach Q resigned. You don't want that crap hanging over your head all season long. You know, it would have become a thing all, all throughout the year. If he hadn't stepped back and, and resigned and, I I think that it was the right move because now this team can just move on from all that crap. Like, plus it's <laughs> it's what that it's what they deserved. Y- you can't you can't ignore what they ignored and just keep on going about life without any consequences. Uh, and you know that's just as it sucks for for uh, this to come out now eight years later. But I think that in the long run, like when we look back at whatever this Panthers team does that it'll be like, well, yep. It was a good thing that, uh, that he wasn't there to distract because this ended up kind of rallying them around each other. And, uh, and it was a good thing for the Panthers. So that's it.
1: And then not to mention, I mean, when you talk about the Panthers, right, they're getting good goaltending from Robroski too. And, you know, unfortunate last night he goes down with an injury. I'm not sure. You know, what the seriousness of it is and, you know, if he's going to be out long term or and miss any time at all. But, you know, you, you're not so devastated because, you know, you got Spencer Knight back there who's still a quality goaltender. And so he's going to get an opportunity, I think, to shine if, you know, Bukarowski's out for any length of time. And, uh you yeah, know,
0: start 6-0, man, <laughs> after having such a bad year. Yeah. Uh, a two, like ba- a bad two years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they as as far as I can tell, um, there's nothing <laughs> out there about an injury um, other than him leaving the game. So I don't know what'll uh, what'll come of it.
1: Well, well, we'll see. Yeah, I'm sure he's fine, but <laughs> with goaltenders, you never know. I mean, let's be honest.
0: Yeah, it, and I mean, yeah. Again, like you said, it doesn't. Spencer Knight can come in there. He's also played fantastic, uh, so no no biggie. Although nine four eight save percentage, fantastic. Not quite <laughs> not <laughs> like quite. Bobrovsky <laughs> there. Um, who else? Who else are you looking at? Saying nah, they don't belong there. Uh, they'll be somewhere else. Come season's end.
1: Yeah, just looking at the standings again. I think again, again, and I don't know if maybe this is just because I want to back up my my early season predictions are not, but uh, I really look at the Chicago Blackhawks, right? This is a team that we, we kind of mentioned a little bit earlier when you talk about goals against, it seemed like early on, Mark Andre Fleury, the reigning Vesda winner, couldn't stop a puck to save his life. Um, but for whatever reason, you know, they're starting to starting to play a little bit better hockey again. They've still got a long ways to go, right? This teams just still looks – I don't know if maybe they're having some internal issues with with everything that's gone on with the Kyle Beach situation. Maybe you know this team on on the ice is just really uh, not responded well, or maybe they're you know a lot of like a lot of teams when you have this you know when you have things happening off the ice that don't pertain to the guys on the yeah, ice. Yeah, it's
0: a big distraction.
1: Right. It's yeah, a giant distraction. Right. So um, you know you wonder if maybe it's a bigger distraction than maybe it would be for a team like this. But what I will say is. You know, they, they've managed to, you know, play some better hockey of late. They got their first win against Ottawa. They, they kept it close against Carolina. Uh, they kept it close against St. Louis last month. And so, and, and same with Toronto, right? So they've, they've been playing better hockey. They're keeping it close against these good teams. And now you've got a chance, you know, obviously they've got to play Winnipeg tonight. That, that one might not go their way either, but they've got Nashville, Pittsburgh, Arizona, Seattle coming up for their next, you know, four games here. And those games are definitely going to be winnable games, in my opinion, for Chicago. So you could really see the script turn, turn around quick for this team, especially because three of the next five games are at home. Again, you could really see them getting three or four wins out of the next five games here and realistically putting themselves right back in you know, the thick of things when it comes to this Central Division. Because I think outside of St. Louis and Winnipeg and maybe you know Minnesota as well, I think there's some teams that are just going to be easy to – to hop over, right? I think Colorado again. There's another team, you know, in my opinion, that at, you know, sitting sixth again, they're at 500. But I think this is a team again too that, um, you know, is really look lost without Rantan in there. So maybe they they start to fix things here pretty soon. But uh, to me, Chicago is more. Sorry, did you
0: say Rantan or did you say Grubauer?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give you that. You know, anti oh, My goodness. He has not looked how I thought he would be. I, I figured he'd slide right in and maybe not play as good, but you know he wouldn't really miss too much of a beat, right? And it just really,
0: boy, it just. I mean, Darcy had... Kemper,
1: right? Darcy Kemper. I'm sorry. Yeah, Darcy Kemper. It's right. like
0: is Anthony Ranta on the Colorado Avalanche? And I missed him.
1: Yeah, we already talked about Carolina, so let's move on. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, so Darcy Kemper really just hasn't looked. I mean, a 904 save percentage right now is not obviously ideal that's below uh below average for what you you expect a goaltender of his caliber and uh, this type of team to be and so you know you look at again they're not really missing a ton of guys like for instance we talked about some other teams where they have a ton of injuries like you know the vegas golden knights but i mean they're still missing some big names right devin taves is out kale mccarr is out but to me this the straw that stirs the drink right now kind of seems like miko ran because they can't seem to get anything going on the power play uh, they're not scoring as many goals. You know, it just seems like, you know, without him, they seem a lot more lost than they were. You know, with without anybody else being out of the lineup.
0: Well, oh, yeah, I mean, McKinnon with a goal through, through in his first seven games. I mean, that's just there. You go. That, that's. Yeah. And that's you, look uh, year, you don't have to look any further.
1: Right, and you and you look last year when McKinnon was out for a length of time. Rantanen didn't miss a beat. He kept going. He was over a point per game without him. And so, again, it makes me wonder, you know, how important this guy really is to this team versus a guy like, you know, say Nazim Kadri or, you know, even a, somebody else who's injured like a Kale McCarr. So, you know, again, if they can fix the goaltending, if they can start to get better play up front, you know, they'll get back into it. But
0: yeah, they'll, they'll be fine. I mean, it's it is yeah. it's that defensive side. It's not like they're it's not like they're not scoring goals. Uh, they're they're. Maybe a little under average what what they want to be at, but I mean they're still at more than three goals a game. That's right. that's not a bad place to be. It's just they're allowing three and a half a game, so that that'll that'll do it. Um, just got to maybe figure out that backup position for the goaltending yeah. as well.
1: And I will say, Bo and Byram,
0: yeah, he's, he's looked great,
1: very very good for this team, especially when you wouldn't expect him to be able to step up and play th- these kind of minutes with. You know, Devin Taves and Kale McCarr being out right now. But he and Eric Johnson look like they're playing some good hockey right now.
0: Yeah. Um, rookie of the year, early candidate maybe, Bowen Byram, outside of uh, you got him in there with Lucas Raymond and Maurice Sider. I oh, think, my goodness. I think he's third in rookie scoring, Bowen Byram is.
1: He is, behind the two other guys you just mentioned, right? I mean, Lucas Raymond, 10 points already. You know, Moritz Sider, 9 points. Bowen Byram, 8 points. And, and Sider, of course, named rookie of the month for October. And uh, with good reason, I mean, he just looks like he is so comfortable back there in that Red Wings blue line. He, he was pegged in as a second line guy. And now all of a sudden he's playing 25, 26 minutes a night now for this Red Wing team. Now, um, I will say if there is one, you know, caveat on his, that, that could hurt his, his chances here is one, he's, he's so calm and quiet back there. He doesn't get noticed, but then two, he's on a you know, a mediocre that's, you know, Red Wing team that's probably going to finish towards the bottom of the I, I don't
0: think that matters for rookie of the year. I hope not. I, I really don't. don't. I, I actually I, think that being on a good team probably hurts you because, yeah. because people are going to go, well, yeah, Bowen Byram had a really nice season, but look who he gets to play with. Whereas they're going to go look at Lucas Raymond is by himself and look what he did. I, I mean, I think at this point, the way that Lucas Raymond and Marie Sider have played, it's going to be those two guys for rookie of the year. I think. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, we can we can talk uh, a little Red Wings here. Is uh, you know, <laughs> obviously defensively, uh, not much going for that team uh, when Sider isn't on the ice, and that's yeah, really been that. their big their big downfall.
1: Yeah, and the other thing for the Red Wings too that they really seem to struggle with is. Really when their top line is not out there. Now, right now, Dylan Larkin is out for personal reasons. They won't specifically come out and say why or give any indication of when he'll be back. But, you know, I think right now it's just – it's basically, you know, when he's on the ice, when you have Tyler Bertuzzi on the ice and Raymond on that top line, they look very, very good and very, very dangerous. Now, when you get beyond that, you know, when you look at a guy like Robbie Fabry, he has not looked very comfortable, not looked very good when he's been on that first or second line – you know, Pius Suter, I've expected a lot more out of this guy. when uh, They brought him in, especially all the hype coming out of, you know, Chicago. But, um, you know, outside of those top three guys at their forward position and Maurice Sider, there's not a ton going on for this Red Wings team. Uh, so hopefully these guys like Zadina, um, you know, Fabry, like I mentioned before, these guys can really find their game, step up a little bit more and, um, you know, really help elevate the team. Now, I will say, too, uh, with – Larkin's injury, we've got to see a little bit of Joe Valeno and he's looked pretty good so far. in the, the three games he's played, two points and a plus two, and I've enjoyed what I've seen out of him so far. And so hopefully, you know, maybe that trend continues, and they can give him some more ice time and see what he got, what what they've got in him, because he's going to be another one of those guys, you know, moving forward for the Wings in the next, you know, two or three years, he's going to be a stalwart on that top six, in my opinion. So we'll see.
0: <coughs> yeah, you uh, you you hope. Goaltending wise, that they can kind of figure this out a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I'll I'll give go. Nadel Nadelkovic hasn't has been fine. Uh, Thomas Grice kind of been uh, peppered a couple times, and I I think well I I'm you know I was never expecting much from this team to begin with. Uh, I think where they sit right now probably would be a pretty big win if end of the year they were to finish. Th- Sixth in this division, uh, because of you know, I, I think we all expected Ottawa to take a pretty big step forward. We expected Montreal. I I thought Montreal would be that like borderline playoff team, uh, and obviously neither of those teams have been very good, especially Montreal. Uh, but I I mean maybe Buffalo. It would be the one other team that you could say is definitely worse than Detroit for sure, uh, but. I think when when all is said and done, if Detroit could finish sixth in this division, it, it is a step forward for uh, for w- where they have been. But I don't know if you want to finish sixth. <laughs> I feel like you're you're still better off finishing a little further down the standings to get that higher draft pick. One one more top five pick would would really complete probably the. The 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 sludge of a rebuild, you know that like down in the depths where you're just trying to get really good players. I mean, having a shot at Shane Wright should be the priority here for the the Red Wings because whoever gets Shane Wright, he's going to change the f- whole entire path of your franchise.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's let's face if you have Shane Wright on one line and Dylan Larkin on another, I think you're doing all right.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're definitely you're not you're not in a bad place. um uh, Anything else that you want to uh, you want to hit on before we we jump out of here?
1: Yeah, I just last but not least, just want to touch on one of your guys here. And so uh, we've seen a couple contracts come out for defensemen lately, and I know this offseason we had a handful of them get signed to some just some big big deals. Yeah, uh, but lately we've had Adam Fox get signed for nine point five, and we had Morgan Riley get signed for seven point five, and a I guess I just I wanna get your, your initial thoughts on both those contracts.
0: <clears throat> yeah, well I have to say about Morgan Riley, I mean, do I do I love eight years at seven and a half? No. For a you know, a twenty seven year old guy though. Not you know, it it'll be he'll be thirty five when that deal's done or thirty six. Um so the last two, maybe three years of that deal might not look that great. Uh but you had to do this you had to you had to keep him and you know he wanted to stay but you couldn't let him walk he's also he has been I mean the last set, 6 years making 5 million bucks for Morgan Riley I mean he he's been a a, a steal at 5 million bucks right. so you can kind of ju- you you can see the justification for for paying out for those for those 8 years and of course later on in the deal uh, those the, the base salary goes down to six um, for the last four years so it is a little bit easier to move towards the end there as well. so i I don't hate it i I don't love it but I don't hate it and so I think that's probably means that it's fair right like it, it's a good deal for for the player long term, but it's a good deal for the team in the short term because you had to keep them. If you lose them, then everything else you've built is kind of for for not. You have to have Morgan Riley for this team to work, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, they need that that number one defenseman, and he's been that for this team for a while. And I think when you look at the production and value you've gotten out of him, and you kind of look at some of the other contracts around the league, right? I look at what Dougie Hamilton got, I look at what Seth Jones got, Yep.
0: yep. And I compare
1: it to Morgan Riley, and I say, "Cool, you know what? I would be as a Leafs fan, I would be totally okay and on board with this." Now, again, I'm with you. I the term itself. Worries me because when you get up to those thirty-five years of age numbers, uh, you know that's when you start to really wonder, like, how good is this guy really going to be? But,
0: but also, seven and a half million dollars in twenty thirty when that deal ends, the cap's definitely going to be higher, right? <laughs> and so, it, it, a seven and a half million dollar deal probably at that point you are talking to you are in the nineties for for uh, the cap, maybe maybe closer to a hundred million, so. You're probably much less concerned. That's probably more like a five point five six million dollar guy. So it's probably pretty fair, even towards the end of that deal,
1: right? And and you hope that you get the kind of production out of him that you did uh, pre COVID seasons. You know where he was right, putting right, up seventy plus points.
0: points yeah, yeah that would be that would be nice.
1: Yeah, that would be just a steal because in my mind, even right now looking at both guys, I'd still rather have Morgan Riley at seven and a half than Seth Jones at nine and a half.
0: No, yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah. I agree. Now, Adam Fox, I mean, he's getting, he's the third highest paid defenseman, you know, behind Dowdy and and, Carlson. and my, I mean, in my opinion, he's got the hardware, but I, I have a tough time getting on board with, you know, I mean, it's, it's the market today, right? You're paying for what he could be or what he will be, but um, I have a hard time, you know, hey, you're paying for him.
0: what he is. He's a Norris trophy winner. Well, right. <laughs> there, I there's, mean, that, I mean, he, he was, the best defenseman in the NHL last year and that you're going to you're going to pay out the teeth for a guy like that
1: right and that's that's the tough part but i mean when you look at a guy who's literally only had prior to the season 125 regular season games and 3 playoff games and hasn't produced at all so you don't really know what kind of guy you're getting in the playoffs either which always worries me but i mean so far he looks like the real deal i i love his game he he looks like he's still going to you know Guys get those big contracts, right, and then they usually fall off the rails. And right now, I mean, he's 11 points through 10 games, and uh, he's really anchoring that that New York blue line. So uh, you hope he continues his production because, again, they've got $8 million tied up in Truba. They've got a lot of money tied up in Panarin, Zibinijad, Kreider. So they don't have wiggle room to go out and get other big-name talent in there to really help bolster that D-line if, for some reason, you see Adam Fox start to falter a little bit.
0: Yeah, I don't expect that he'll falter. <laughs> no, I <don't. laughs> but I mean, you, you had to pay him. He's your best defenseman, and you know those guys are going to get paid. And, and you look at what Artemi Panarin is bringing in. Um, you knew it was going to come in a little bit less than he than him. And uh, I, uh, you think you look at what like Kale McCarr is getting? It's it's right on right on par with those guys. So uh, yep. I I would think that at the end of this deal in seven years, you know he'll be thirty years old. Uh, you'll probably be, you know, that that takes you right to uh, where you're you're price signed in one more good contract for three or four years, and and then you're you know you're kind of you're done. So this is this is his big payday. He spent he's using quite a few UFA years, I believe, in this deal. Um, I, I think it's uh, I think it's three of them. Three of these are UFA years. So that that also you know, tips the scale towards why he's he's getting a little bit more, too, because some of these are UFA years.
1: Yeah. Now, let me ask you, do you think if he had held on and, say, maybe signed a one-year contract and went out or maybe two-year contract and went out and continued with this, you know, outrageous play, this production puts up, you know, 60, 70 points this season, wins another trophy or at least, you know, finishes in the top three or something like that. Do you think he could have cashed in for more than, you know, eleven million dollars and got Eric Carlson money at this point?
0: I I'm sure he could have. Um, but what happens if he has like a little bit of a down year and then he only gets seven million? You know, sure. that's I nine and a half million bucks, I'm taking that all day. Like I I, I think that you you're you're betting on yourself and your you're giving yourself the the wiggle room. To go, you know, maybe every year I'm not a Norris Trophy winner, but I am a pretty damn good defenseman. So, I I'm going to take this money and I'm going to run with it and play play the the hell out of this contract. Uh, right. So, I I think I I I I like sometimes when you know I think we because the NBA has has kind of made made us look at contracts a little bit different to go. Whoa! That guy. All these guys sign in one-year deals every year because they they know how freaking good they are, and they they get league max, and they you know that. Then oh, I get another league max the next year anyway. So who cares? But uh, hockey is just far more volatile than other sports too. So uh, I think it's 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 like football too. You know, football, you're going to take your money because you. You never know what can happen out there. So well, with
1: football, they can cut you at any time for no reason. Well, that
0: that is true. Well, but yeah. there's guaranteed money, right?
1: Sure, sure, and that's why guys will will take the guaranteed money because they can be cut.
0: Right, um, but I, like like hockey, like football, it's a much more volatile. Like I, I think it's probably less likely in basketball to suffer a career ending injury than it is in hockey or you know not not that you can't tear your ACL playing basketball, but. Um, because of the contact sport nature there's just more that more weird stuff that can happen uh, but uh, with that said we could talk hockey all day but I'm gonna go and uh, probably have a couple coughing fits here tonight and <laughs> and uh, hopefully heal up completely from this crap and and we'll uh, keep on chugging through the season it's 10 games in I can't believe it it's crazy loving it All right, you can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. We'll look forward to talking to you soon.